maybe for not blown away, maybe it's because you don't understand that song. More than we need a preacher, we need a presence. More than we need a program, we need a presence. Boy, I appreciate that. That was beautiful. That was beautiful, wasn't it? Man, that was incredible. Thank you all so much. Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah today with me. Isaiah chapter 53. I was thinking there before I, I, I came up behind the pulpit, how can you do this for 30 years and be nervous? <laughs> how can I still be nervous after all these uh, many, many times and many years? But that's the, but that's the case. And I'm going to be honest with you, i got a tough message for you today, all right? And so, boy, I need you to uh, really give me a good hearing. And this is one of those kind of messages that uh, pastors don't necessarily enjoy preaching, but it's the kind of message that needs to be preached. And um, I heard somebody say this week, and I think, it, I think it's true, that the first part of the Christian life is more fear-based, the fear of the Lord. Uh, you do things because you, you, fear the, you have the fear of the Lord. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, then as you grow in your Christian walk, it moves from a, the fear of the Lord to the love of the Lord. And you begin to do what you do, not necessarily because you fear God, you, you still do, um, but you begin to do what you do because you just love him. You just love him so much. Um, both are healthy, by the way, uh, and we need both. And the problem, the problem is, is a lot of churches are sort of one-sided, and they only want to do the other side. They only want to do the love, the love of God, and that kind of thing. And we preach that a lot at Calvary. And if you're, uh, if you're here, you know I'm telling you the truth on that. But today we're going to preach the flip side of that coin. And so I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 53 in your Bibles. And when you find your places, if you'll stand with us today out of the respect of the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand, that is, uh, Isaiah 53. And we're going to read an amazing passage, a wonderful passage, Isaiah 53 and verse number 1. Uh, the Bible says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, we're going to talk about that tonight, how we see the Lord. So I hope you'll be back in the service. Verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Now, if you haven't caught on yet, this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. 700 years before Bethlehem. Isaiah the prophet prophesied that Jesus was going to come. And he's telling us about the Lord. Verse number three, he says about the Lord, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted. In verse number five is our text this morning. The Bible says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And notice this phrase, and with 
his stripes we are healed. Let's read that verse together this morning, verse number five. Ready? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. With his stripes we, and you notice I've got that little word in a border there. With his stripes we are healed. And with his stripes we are healed. Boy, we could clear off some realty and shout right there for a while, couldn't we? You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you about that for a little bit today, and uh, we'll go as far as we can. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and thank you for the privilege to be back in your house again today. It is a privilege, Lord. It is a privilege. And Lord, we're also privileged that what Miss Krista sang about today is often the case. Lord, we often walk into this place and experience the presence of the Lord. Lord, sometimes we come here even when it's not church time and we experience the presence of the Lord. Father, thank you for being so faithful to meet with us. Thank you for being so faithful to manifest your Holy Spirit here. And God, we need the Holy Spirit. God, we need the Spirit of God to move and to have his way. Lord, if all we do is just come and sing a song and and a preacher preaches, we'll pretty much leave like we came. But Lord, if we can come and if the Spirit of God can can work supernaturally in the service and in our hearts, Father, we'll leave different than when we came. Lord, I pray that you'll bless our discussion together. Father, I pray that you'll do your work. I pray that souls will be saved. I pray that the uh, hearts of uh, men and women, boys and girls, and of the saved will be challenged and edified And Lord, more than anything else, we pray that the precious, precious Son of God would be lifted up and exalted and and that men and women would be drawn to him and that he would increase and that we would decrease. And so, Lord, as we close the prayer, would you, Father, would you bind the powers of darkness and distraction and keep them away from this place? And I pray that you'll keep your blessings in. Help us to say what we say. Help it to make sense and uh, to be pleasing in your sight. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. I want you to notice verse number five again. The Bible says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I committed that verse to memory, and the other day I was just, uh, I was uh, quoting that verse, and I was reading that verse, and, and that verse reached out and it spoke to me in a way that I don't think it had ever spoke to me before. Notice there in verse number five, the Bible says he was wounded. In fact, later, later on in the day, go back and read the whole chapter because a lot of the chapter sort of does like this, but we notice it uses, the prophet Isaiah under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit uses a past tense verb. He was wounded. So it doesn't say he was, he, he was being wounded or he's wounding. It says he was wounded. Past tense, he was wounded. Then it says, not only was he wounded, the Bible says he was bruised. Again, he uses that past tense verb there. 
And then he says this, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Again, the idea of past tense. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then look at the last part, though. The Bible says, and with his stripes we, we are healed. And so Isaiah the prophet, or the Spirit of God, really goes from past tense, past tense, past tense, present tense. He was wounded. He was bruised. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Basically, the Bible is saying this, that the past stripes, and when the Bible uses the word stripes there, it's talking about his past sacrifices. The past stripes of Christ are still healing in this present day in which we live. That's happened a long time ago. Somebody says, Pastor, is that even relevant anymore? And I guess... And a lot of views and a lot of churches is not very relevant because they don't preach it anymore. And, and some would say don't preach this because this is what they call a, a slaughterhouse religion. And, and it's just too way too bloody. It's a bloody gospel. Well, you know what, my dear friend, it really is a bloody gospel. And it really is a bloody message. It's a message of blood. Uh, and, uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit about that sacrifice today. Now, there are three questions that I want to answer in today's message. Number one is, what do the stripes of Christ heal us from? Number two, what is the effect of sin? And last of all, what is the Bible referring to when it mentions death? And so today, I'll tell you what let's do. First of all, let's deal with the first one. What do the stripes of Christ heal us from? Look, look back at verse number five again. The Bible says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, again, I want to point out that the word stripes there is the idea of, the, of, of everything that encompasses the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, when the Bible mentions wounded, it talks about uh, he was pierced through. Uh, when it mentions stripes, it's the idea of blows that cut in. If you go back and study it out, it's the idea of, of, of a blow that cuts in. We know that that's exactly what happened. The Lord Jesus Christ was uh, scourged with the cat of nine tails. Not only was he scourged with the cat of nine tails, but he was nailed to the cross of Christ. And the Bible says that by his stripes, you and I are healed. Now, what is that talking about when it says that we are healed? Is it talking about physical healing? It seems like there's so much uh, emphasis placed upon physical healing and faith healers and all those kind of things today. But uh, I want to say today, Calvary, although God is very capable of healing people physically, that's not what Isaiah 53 is referring to necessarily. In fact, I want to show you, if I could, what the Bible is referring to in Isaiah 53. Now, take your Bibles and turn over to your New Testament today and look at 1 Peter toward the back of your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 24. And, and Peter, also under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, tells us what Isaiah the prophet was referring to uh, 700 years before the coming of Christ. He tells us what Isaiah was referring to uh, in his epistle. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 24. The Bible says, who his own self, talking about our Lord, who his own self bear our sins 
in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, notice this, by whose stripes ye were healed. And so by his stripes, the Bible says that you and I are healed of our transgressions. We're healed of our sin. At conversion, whenever it was that you got saved or whenever you do get saved, the Bible says that you are healed of the effects of transgressions or sin by his stripes. Now, I want to thank the Lord for good doctors. I'm thankful for the medical professionals that we have in this congregation. And uh, we appreciate their contribution to society. And I'm thankful for good doctors. But I'm going to tell you, as good as a doctor may be, there is not a doctor anywhere in this world that can heal the malady that I'm talking about today. I'm talking about sin. Uh, They may be able to help you with cancer. They may be able to help you with a heart problem. They may be able to help you with uh, uh, your kidney issues, but there is not a doctor alive that can take care of the malady of sin. But oh, Calvary, I want to say thank God for the day when God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus came and died on an old rugged cross. and, and, And because of his stripes, the Bible says that Jesus heals us from our transgressions. He heals us from our sins. And by the way, what Dr. Jesus does, Dr. Jesus does well. Amen. And what Dr. Jesus does, as Brother Looney said this morning, he does permanently. Amen. And thank God you don't ever have to worry about that. And so uh, we learn here that, that what, what the stripes of Christ was referring to. But number two, I want to answer this question. What is the effect of sin? If we are healed from sin and transgression, what is the effect of sin and transgression that Christ has healed us from? And the answer to that, of course, is death. Death is the effect. You and I are all sinners. We're all sinners. You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to wonder about it. You're a sinner. You say, Pastor, I'm not as bad as some. (laughs) Maybe not, but you're still a sinner. And the truth is we're all born that way. We're all born sinners. We've all, uh, you know what, we've all taken part in that fall. And, and the Bible says that the effect, since we are now sinners, the effect of that sin is something called death. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I want to get to the place where I want to preach just for a few moments today. So, uh, so, number one, we know that by his stripes we are healed from sin. We know the effect of sin is death. But this is what I want to talk to you about just for a little bit this morning. What is the Bible referring to when it mentions death? When the Bible says the effect of our sin is death. What's the Bible talking about? Death. Uh, I mentioned a while ago physical healing. Uh, And so the Bible's referring to spiritual healing instead of physical healing. And so what is this thing of death? Is it referring to physical death? Or is it something else? And of course, we know it is something else. What is the Bible referring to when it mentions death? Number one, it it, it means this. It means eternal suffering. And eternal suffering in a place called hell. Now, here again, I know you say, Pastor, boy, that's that's not popular preaching anymore. That's exactly, you're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. But how many believe we better be preaching on it? 
Uh, in fact, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say this, if every preacher in America would begin to preach on hell and preach on nothing but hell for a solid month, we'd see revival in America. And he's probably right about that. Now, uh, you can turn, I've got probably way too many scriptures for you to turn to, but if you want to turn to Revelation chapter 20 in your Bibles this morning, Revelation chapter number 20, and, uh, and notice verse number 14. And many, many scriptures we could give you, and I will give you as many as I can, but uh, notice Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14. Now, I, I had no idea what Brother Looney was going to teach on in our class this morning, but as he was teaching, I was thinking, wow, this is just, it's almost connected what he taught on and what I'm preaching on today. And so death encompasses eternal suffering. And not only eternal suffering, but eternal suffering in a place called hell. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 14. The Bible says, in death and hell, were cast into the lake of fire. Notice the next verse. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, again, I know that that's not popular preaching, and you're not going to hear uh, hell being preached on, the doctrine of hell being preached on very much in churches today. But my dear friend, I am convinced of this, that this is the direction that, that God has led us today, and I believe that we need to try to follow the leading of the Lord. Uh, a recent article in Newsweek said this, today hell is theology's H word, a subject too trite for serious scholarship. Uh, Gordon Kaufman of Harvard Divinity School believes we have gone through a transformation of ideas and he says quote I don't think there can be any future for heaven and hell admittedly hell is an unpleasant topic unbelievers disbelieve in it most Christians ignore it even the staunchy biblical diehards are often silent about uh, out of embarrassment hell more than any doctrine of the Bible seems to be out of step with our times. And boy, that's very, very true. John Blanchard is in his fascinating book, Whatever Happened to Hell, writes, quote, hell seems to have fallen on hard times. A poll taken in the United States in 1978 revealed that over 70% of those interviewed said they believed in hell. 11 years later, a Newsweek survey, again taken in the United States, produced a figure of just 58% believe in hell. Uh, a poll conducted in Australia in 1998 or 1988 indicated that only 39% believed in hell. While in 1989, a Gallup poll taken in Britain for the Sunday Telegraph revealed that no more than 24% of those questioned in Great Britain believed in hell. In a recent Barna poll, the poll found that 76%, now listen to this now, don't, don't, don't just let this roll off your, the top of your head here. The poll found that 76% of Americans believe in hell and that, seven, uh, that believe in heaven, 76% of Americans believe in heaven and 71% believe in a hell. The results were a bit surprising. According to the poll, almost as many Americans said they believe in hell as in heaven. But more telling was the fact that although more than seven out of 10 Americans believe in some sort of hell, fewer than one out of 100 think they have a good chance of going there. These findings are similar to those described in a 1991 cover story of U.S. News and World Report. Its 1990 poll found that 60% of Americans said they believed in some sort of hell, but that only 4% considered themselves to have a good chance of going to hell. Now, you say, Pastor, what is that all about? I'll tell you what it is. Satan has got us duped. 
Satan has, uh, has confused the American population and the world for that matter. And he has told us this, that yes, there is a hell. Yes, there is a heaven, but you're not going there. And so you don't have anything to worry about. Back in the 1970s, the legendary Beatle John Lennon wrote the song Imagine. And in that song, he said this, imagine there is no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. And I'm going to say John Lennon, by the way, who has found out, you can imagine all day that there is no place called hell. But I'm telling you that the day that you close your eyes in death, you will become a believer. Because it's not just fable. And it's not something that's just imaginary. In fact, our Bible goes into great detail about the subject of hell. Someone said that Jesus preached 22 times more on hell than he ever preached on heaven. A biblical description of hell. You say, Pastor, what is a biblical description of hell? How about this? It's a place of suffering. Luke 16, 24, we read that famous passage of the rich man who died without Christ. And the Bible says he opened his eyes in hell. In Luke 16, 24, the Bible says, and he, talking about the rich man, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I looked up that word tormented. It, it, it means to be in anguish, to be in intense pain. Matthew 13, 42, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Hell is a place of suffering. You say, Pastor, not very pleasant. You're right, but true. Hell's a place of memory. That same passage, Luke chapter 16, the Bible says about that rich man that he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house. He remembered his father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. That rich man, when he died, and, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, church, this may be one of the very worst things about the reality of hell is that when someone dies and goes to an eternal hell, they will have a memory and they will remember every service that they attended. They will remember every invitation they endured. They will remember every gospel message they heard, heard preached. They will remember every opportunity they had to make things right with God and to come to Christ as Savior, and yet they continue to reject and turn him down. It will be a place of memory. Our Bible says it will be a place of weeping. Matthew 25, 30, And cast ye the unprofitable servant in the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not a happy place. People say, well... Me and my buds, you know, when we die, we're all going to go to hell and have a party. I don't think so. You don't want to have any buds in hell. And if you had any buds in hell, you wouldn't be able to see them. Because the Bible says hell is a place of darkness. Matthew 8, 12, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast into, out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to tell you something else too, church. Uh, just a biblical description of hell. It is a place of eternal damnation. I heard, I heard a preacher on one of our radio stations right here locally. I was coming down. In fact, I was coming to church, and I was just playing the radio, and I heard this preacher come on the air, and he said, uh, you don't go to hell and stay there 
forever? The Bible doesn't teach that. And I thought, what's this guy saying? That's interesting. Revelation 14, 11 says, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And so uh, we're talking about eternal suffering in a place called hell. Now, I want to pause just for a moment. I want to address something that I feel like uh, very important that I, I speak to here at Calvary. Someone says, preacher, wait a minute. If what you're saying is right, if there is, a, if there is really a hell, and there is, if there is really a place called hell and it's a place of eternal suffering, it's a place of eternal darkness, it's a place of eternal weeping, it's a, it's a place that, that you're never gonna escape from. If there really is a place like hell that you're talking about, listen to me now, somebody says, if God is such a God of love, how could a loving God send a man to hell? We hear that all the time. You probably hear that in the break room. When you try to give a gospel tract to someone or you try to witness to someone uh, and they say to you, they say, if God is, is so great and if God is a God of love, how could God send a person to hell? And Calvary, I want to say very quickly, if a person goes to hell, are you listening to me? If a person goes to hell, it will not be God's fault. Somebody says, God sent me to hell. No, you sent yourself. How could a loving God, if God's such a God of love, how could God send a person to hell? Okay, think about it like this. I know of a situation where this sort of happened. Let's say that a man comes to me and he says, uh, Brother Pope, he said, um, I'm having some issues. And he said, I went to the doctor the other day and he said, the doctor checked me out and he said, I've got a serious heart issue. In fact, they said, this is what the doctor told me. Doctor said that you're gonna have to, you're gonna have, to have a heart transplant. It's not even an option. You've gotta have a heart transplant. If you don't have a new heart, sir, you're going to die. Now, this is just hypothetical. He comes to, to his pastor, comes to a pastor, and he says, Brother Pope, he said, uh, uh, went to the doctor. Doctor says, I've got to have a heart. I'm going to die. He says, man, you got to help me. I don't want to die. He said, I, I want to live. He said, you got to help me, preacher. you got to help me. Well, let's just say I could do this. So I say, well, I'll tell you what I'll do, sir. Because I love you so much, I'll take... Uh, Samuel back here. And uh, I'll let them take Samuel's heart and give it to you. He's a young man. And I'll let them give his heart to you and you can live. And he says, preacher, would you do that for me? I said, yes, I'll do it. I'll do that. I'll do that. I talked to Samuel. Samuel agrees. You know, he's all in agreement with that. 
The day comes, they've got it all scheduled at the, at the uh, hospital. And, and we go to the hospital and they take both of them back. They take Samuel back, uh, my son, and, and they take this uh, gentleman back and they get him prepped and, and, uh, and, they, uh, and, and they know. We know what's gonna happen. We know that after this, Samuel's not coming out. And so they open up his chest and they take out his beating, healthy heart. And he's gone. He's gone. Then they go to the other room where the gentleman is that needs the new heart, and they say, sir, are you ready? We have a healthy heart waiting. And he says, I'm not taking that. They say, I'm sorry, do what? I'm not taking that heart. I refuse it. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. My son just gave his life <laughs> so you could have a new heart? And now you're, you have the audacity to, to snub at that sacrifice and to say, I don't want it. I'll take my chances. I don't want that heart. And then, wait a minute now, we're not done. And then he turns around and he looks at me and he says, Preacher, I don't understand how you could let me die. And I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute. I can't figure this out. I gave the life of my son. They took his heart out of his body to give you a new heart, and yet you refuse, you reject, and then you turn around and you tell me I'm the reason you died. You say fictitious story? Yep, fictitious story, but I'll tell you something. We're living in that generation today where the God of heaven says, I did everything I could do. I loved you so much. You were in a sinful condition. You needed a new heart. And, and God said, I sent my only begotten son. I didn't have two. I just had one. And he said, I sent my only begotten son. And he came and he gave his life for you. They nailed nails in his hands. They scourged his body. They put a cat of nine tails on his head. He died. And he not only died, but he died with the sin of mankind being poured upon him. And then you have the audacity to reject that gift and to say boy I don't understand a God that would send somebody to hell friend if you go to hell it's not God's fault it's your rebellion for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So pastor, what is this death that the Bible's talking about? Number one, eternal suffering in a place called hell. But how about this? Number two, eternal separation from a holy God. You can turn there if you want, Matthew 25 and verse 30. We're almost done. Matthew 25 and verse number 30. Notice what our Bible says. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into, notice the words, into outer darkness 
And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'll just read this. Well, you're in Matthew 25. You might as well turn back a page or two. Look at Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse number 13. The Bible says, Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Our Bible is very clear to tell us that God is light. God is light. The Bible tells us that. God is light. Light signifies the presence of God. But darkness signifies God's absence. And the Bible says over and over and over about this place called hell that it is a place of darkness. It's a place of darkness. It's a place of darkness. Now you say, preacher, will it be a dark, physically a dark place? I believe it will be. I believe it'll be a physically dark place. But more than that, it'll be dark because we're separated from God. Now, I want you to look with me because this is so important. I want you to look at 2 Thessalonians in your Bibles. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And look at verse number 8 with me, if you will. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 8. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 9. I'm waiting because I just I believe this is so important for you to see this. Verse number 8 says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction? Look at this next phrase. From the presence of the Lord. Now, there's a lot of controversy today over um, what eternity will mean for lost people. Will eternity for lost people, will it be uh, eternal suffering or just eternal separation? So there's a big thing going on, you know, about that, that will, you know, well, is hell, uh, does hell really have fire? I believe hell has fire. I believe hell will be a place of torment. But I also believe that hell is going to be a place of separation, and so someone says, well, uh, you know, if, if it's just a place of separation, that's not near as bad uh, that it, if it's a place of eternal suffering. But I want to say this morning, Calvary, I believe, I am, I am convinced that the worst part of dying lost will not be eternal suffering. Although that'll be part of it. The worst part of dying lost will be the second one, eternal separation. I believe that will far outweigh the first. Think about this, to never again feel the love of God. To never experience his tender compassion, his provision, his mercy. Someone said hell is the absence of God. There's no air in hell because God is the breath of life. There's no peace in hell because God is the prince of peace. There's no comfort in the hell because God is the comforter. There's no love in hell because God is love. And hell is darkness because God is light. But church, you say, preach your negative message. Well, I guess that's according to how you want to look at it. But here's some very good news. You don't have to go there. And the reason you don't have to go there is because his stripes are still healing today. <laughs> You say, man, pastor, I wish I'd have got in. 
I was counting back this, this uh, week. I, I've been saved, the best I can tell, I've been saved for 40 years. 40 years ago, I gave my heart life to Christ, and he saved me. And somebody says, Pastor, man, I wish I'd have got in that long ago. I, I, wish, I'd have, I wish I'd have gave my heart to Christ. Well, here's the great news. You still have time. <laughs> if you're here today and you're breathing, you still have time. Because thank God what Jesus has done in the past is still saving in the present. So I would ask you this, church. Have you been healed by his stripes? Now, honestly, today may be the day for some of you. This may be the day of decision. And by that, I mean this. You may not have another day. If you're watching by way of live stream and you say, Brother Pope, you're right about that. And one of these days, you may not have another one of these days. I don't know what this day is going to hold. I hope I'll be back with you tonight. I don't know that. We're not promised another breath. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2 says it like this. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. And you know what that tells us, folks? Today's the day of decision. It was July the 20th, 1993. While cutting down oaks in a Pennsylvania forest, Don Wyman got his leg pinned beneath a fallen tree. No one could hear his yells for help. After digging for more than an hour to try to free his bleeding, shattered leg, he hit rock. He would bleed to death unless he did something drastic. Wyman made his decision using a wrench and the starter cord from his chainsaw as a tourniquet. He cut off the flow of blood to his shin and somehow he had the fortitude to amputate his own leg below the knee with his pocket knife. He crawled to his vehicle and drove to a farmer's home. The farmer got him the help that saved his life. Like Don Wyman, men who want to follow Christ face tough choices. We have sinful habits we want to keep as badly as our leg. We also have a Lord and Savior who calls us to repent. It takes strength to cut off our wickedness. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I've been thinking about this for a long time, but I've never made the move. Today's your day of decision. Today's the day when hell can be averted, when you never have to worry about that ever again. And you can know that you know that you know that you know that you know that if you were to close your eyes in death, that you would open your eyes in heaven. You say, Pastor, but nobody can know. Well, you know what our Bible tells us in 1 John 5, 13? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And so thank God you can know. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? Father, thank you for this time we've had together. I know this has been a sober message for a Sunday morning. Lord, I, I believe this was the one 
for the hour. I, I, this was one I, I couldn't pass over. And God, I don't know who you're speaking to, but I pray right now, Heavenly Father, that you're doing a work that only you can. And God, as you're offering a new heart to someone who may need it, may they not reject the sacrifice of your precious son, Jesus. God, would you help somebody to come to you today and say, and say Father, I'm willing to take that heart. I'm willing to take that gift. I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner that deserves to go to hell. But Father, if you'll give it, I'll take it. And I'll take it gladly. Father, I pray that you'll work in this service and I pray that you'll work through the live stream. And have your way, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed. And eyes are closed. Time's not late. And I want to ask you a question this morning without anybody looking around. How many are here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know, oh, thank God, I know that I know that heaven is my destiny. I know I've been born again. If you can say that, nobody's looking just for a moment. You just slip your hand up and just say amen. Just wave it to the Lord, yes. Just give me a little wave offering. Man, hallelujah. What a blessing to be born again. Wow, wow, wow. But how many are here today would say, Pastor, if I died right now, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not 100% sure that I would go. I'm about 80%, but I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to uh, pray for me right now. I'm not going to come back. I promise you, I'm not going to come back and drag you down the aisle. But the Lord knows I'd love to pray for you right now. How many are here? You'd say, preacher, I'm going to be honest between me and the Lord. If I died today, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me this morning? And you just slip your hand up right now. Would you raise your hand? Just raise it up. And just sort of wave it at me. Pastor, if I die, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Can I pray for you today? Preacher, remember me. Can I ask this one? How many of you have a family member or a loved one? Somebody you work with, maybe somebody you live beside, and you say, Preacher, I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't know the Lord. And boy, I sure would like to see them get saved. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you right now, you just slip your hand up. I know of somebody like that. I know of somebody. Your hands this morning. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand all over the house? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're going to have what we call an invitation. And uh, I'm going to ask our personal workers if they'll go ahead and make their way toward the front. We're going to have what we call an invitation. And we're uh, not going to pressure you. We just want to invite you to come. And if you're here today and you have a need, any need at all, but especially the need of salvation. We want you to come right now. And we have Bibles in our hands. And we want to show you from the Bible how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. 
And so I want you to come. These, these fellas will meet you if you come. They'll meet you and they'll pray with you. We're not going to ask you to give a speech or anything like that. We just want to take the Bible and show you how you can know Christ as personal Savior. Now, wait a minute now. I preached on eternity. But it could be there's somebody here today who says, Pastor, I am saved, but I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I've been needing to do that for the longest time. All right, now's your opportunity. Now's your day of decision. Why don't you come and rededicate your life to Christ? Pastor, I've been saved. I've never followed the Lord in baptism. But I need to take that first step of obedience. Hey, this is your invitation. Preacher, I have a loved one that I that I hold in a very special place in my heart, but they're lost. Maybe you have a child at home, maybe a teenager. You parents, maybe you have a 20-year-old and you're not sure they're born again. Maybe today is the day you ought to slip out, make your way to this old-fashioned altar and breathe their name to the Lord and say, Oh, God, would you save them, Lord? God, would you save them this year in 2022? And Lord, would you give me the opportunity to witness to them? I don't want to see them go to hell. Oh God, I want them to be in heaven. You know what? Some of you grandparents here this morning, I'm going to tell you what, there's nothing more special is there than a grandbaby. Some of you grandparents here maybe have grandchildren that are lost. They're lost. Living away from God. You say, preacher, their mom and dad not doing anything for the Lord. My grandkids are lost. Okay. Grandpa, Grandma, why don't you get on this altar this morning and say, oh God, I don't know what their mom and dad is going to do, but God, would you save them? Oh God, would you arrest their spirit and save them before it's eternally too late? Father, I pray you'd have your way in this invitation. Lord, there's no, there's no way to make this a, a jubilant time. Lord, it's a, it can be a, a jubilant time for those who are saved because, thank God, we don't have to worry about hell. But, Lord, at the same time, it's a sobering time because we all have loved ones and people that we care about who have not given their heart and life to Christ. Father, save that grandbaby. Save that grandchild. Father, save that teenager. Father, save that mom and dad. That grandpa that somebody's so worried about. God, save that grandpa or grandma. And then, Lord, would you do this for us at Calvary in 2022? And, Lord, start it with me. Would you burden our hearts for souls? Oh, God, I pray you'd burden our hearts for souls in 2022. Father, have thy way in the invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Folks are getting some help. If you're watching the live stream, we're so glad you're here with us today. There's a number on the bottom portion of your screen, 704-327-5662. And if you'll call that number right now, we have some folks that are waiting beside the phone right now. They're, they want to take your call. We would love to talk with you today. Would you call right now? Just dial that number and it'll tell you what to do. Father, have your way. God, have your way in this service. Lord, speak to hearts. 
Father, I pray that right now you'd lay somebody on our heart. And I pray, Heavenly Lord, as we as we leave this, as we exit this building, I pray we'll go out with them on our mind. And I pray that, it, that they'll not go off our mind. And God, I pray somehow you'd help our path to intersect with theirs. And Lord, please open the door and give us the opportunity to share the gospel. I pray they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Have your way, Lord, please. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's sing this little chorus. Most of you know it. Invitation's open if you need to come. Let's sing it. Ready? Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood. Thank God. this morning well aren't you thankful for heaven today aren't you thankful for a so great salvation aren't you thankful that those stripes have healed you and me and we are on our way to heaven because of those stripes brother Looney said it and he said it right this morning there's not one solitary thing that you can do that will put you in heaven nothing it's all on him literally And thank God, because of his stripes, we are healed. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you never let Christ come in, well, I hope you'll do that today. If you feel something right now, the Lord is doing something. Maybe you've never felt like this before. Hey, let me tell you what that is. That's that Holy Spirit that Miss Krista was singing about earlier. And he's dealing with you. And so you give your heart to Christ before it's eternally too late. We're glad you're in the Lord's house today. Listen, we're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. And uh, we'll see you tonight. Uh, Don't forget the service tonight, 6 o'clock tonight. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to talk to you about how the Lord shows himself tonight, how how you can see the Lord. And so, Brother Brandon, you come today, if you will, and dismiss us in a word of prayer. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in your house. Lord, we thank you for the great message that we heard this morning from your precious word. Lord, what a great reminder for those of us that are saved of the sacrifice that was made on the cross many years ago. How we thank you for sending your son to die in our place so we don't ever have to taste hell. We don't have to go to a place of separation from you, but yet we have access into an eternal heaven with you. God, I pray, Lord, if there's one, Lord, in my spirit, I just feel there may be one that's hanging on. You're gripping the back of the chair right now, and your heart is beating so fast. I've been there. Just let go and let God have his way. Give your heart to Jesus today. Don't hold on any longer. We're not promised to make it back tonight. We're not promised another breath. We're not promised another day. Holy Spirit, do your work that we cannot do. 
God, we ask that you would watch over us. Lord, dismiss us now with your blessings. Lord, keep us safe as we all go home. And Lord, bring us back excited for tonight's service. Lord, help us to invite someone that was not here this morning, Lord, to tonight's service. Lord, may we all get together one more time this evening, Lord, just to worship you for who you are. And thank you for being so good in our lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you for everything that you have done. But God, we still look forward to what you're going to do in the remaining days we have ahead of us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen.